Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be starting off our series of shirim, our series of classes on Rav Shlomo Yashov, known as the Leshem Shabov Achaloma, or the Bal HaLashem, after the name of his massive svarim, his massive amount of writings on Kabbalah Sa'arizal and Kabbalah Sagra, the name of the svarim were Leshem Shabov Achaloma, and therefore he took on the name the Bal HaLashem. But the Mahaber that we're speaking about, the tzaddik that we're going to be entering into his world, or at least peeking into his world a little bit, was Rav Shlomo Yashav, who was born in the year 1840. And he passed away in the year 1926 in Eretz Yisrael, after Rav Kook and Rav Herzog had brought him to Yerushalayim. And he began learning with Rav Avram Yitzhak Akoyen Kook again. They were old chavrusas, the old chaverim from Rav Kook's time in Europe when he went to, when he went to visit the Leshem Shabbat in order to learn for a month or two in order to be Mavair Sugyos in Kabbalah. But the Leshem Shabbat when we even attempt to enter into his world, there are a number of things that we have to understand. Number one is that in a series of 10 or so Shirim, we are only going to be able to glean a slight image of the world that the Leshem Shabbat created. The Leshem, unique in a certain level amongst the later Mikubalim, 19th century and forward, didn't have Talmidim, didn't have a yeshiva, did not live in an area where he was capable of sharing these ideas or the concepts that he was working on or the explications that he was making on the system of the Arizal, the Leshem's only Chavrusa was his writing. The Leshem saw in the blank pages of paper that stood before him that eventually became the thousands and thousands of pages that comprised the four volumes of Lashem Shuvah Chaloma that were printed, meaning there was a lot more that was written and not printed. The thousands of pages that Lashem Shuvah Chaloma wrote stemmed directly from the Mayacham, the Machaber. They stemmed directly from the Panemius of the Neshama of this Mukubal. There are certain Sadiqim who find their Malchus, who find that space, their receptacles for their ore, they find them in Talmidim, they find them in the yeshiva, they find them in a certain shita that becomes known on their name. The Leshem Shubhava found his malchus, found his receptacle in writing. So when we learn the svarim of the Leshem Shubhava we're not only reading a document that contains the writings of a thinker that passed away long ago, but we're going to see that the svarim of the Leshem Shubhava themselves are a real manifestation of Torah's Chaim in the sense that the Mechaber lives on in the Sfarim themselves. And that's something that we're going to discuss towards the end of this introduction. The series of Shirim are not going to be going through any specific Sefer of the Leshem Shuvah more so than any other post-Arizal Kabbalist who was interpreting the system of the Arizal, except for perhaps the Baal Hasulam, Rabbi Yehudaleb Ashlag, who wrote as extensively, Nobody gave themselves permission to write as extensively and to disclose as much secrecy of Panimia Satora as Rav Shlomo Yashav as the Leshem Shubha What is unique, or one of the unique traits of the Leshem, other than his clarity and his Bekius, as well as his Iyun and his comprehension of the system of the Arizal and all of the later Mekubalim who interpreted the Arizal, is that he wrote so lengthy that the Leshem takes so much space and so much ink to describe what he's trying to describe in order to ensure that no mistake be made, that what we find in front of us after the passing away of such a luminary, of such a tzaddik, 
is a massive system of thousands and thousands of pages that in spite of the manifoldness and the multiplicity and the difference of the ideas, still managed to disclose and describe a particular point in Havana's Pnimiya Satora. So the Lashem Shubha in spite of the fact that his writings are so lengthy and they meander at times, similar to the writings of Rabbi Nassim of Breslov, that they write at length, yet in spite of the lengthiness of their writings, they still manage to maintain a precision that is typically relegated to people who write very succinctly and in fragments. So the Chiddush, or one of the paradoxes of the Leshem system, is the fact that he expresses himself at such great length, yet that lengthiness does not take away from the precision that we typically find in writers who express their ideas in very few words. And these are things that we're going to pick up on more when we begin next week with the sugyos that we're going to see in the Leshem, with regards to what the Leshem saw as his historical moment of disclosing the secrets of the Arizal, and in particular secrets that, according to the Leshem, had not been revealed beforehand. Now, the Leshem Shabbat is unique historically for a number of reasons. When we look at the system of the Arizal, and according to Rabbi Nachman, according to a number of tzaddikim, we can really see the Seder Heshtalshalus of Torah Sasod in a very simple way, in a five-generational way, what Rabbi Nachman of Breslau would call the five Sadiqe Hadoros. The five Sadiqe Hadoros would be Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Arizal, and according to Rabbi Nachman, it's the Baal Shem Tov and, and Rabbi Nachman. But according to different Mikubalim, it's going to be their Seder of, of Kabbalah. So for Tamide Hagra, it's going to be Moshe Rabbeinu, Rashbi, the Arizal, the Vilnagon, and then Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver, or Rav Chaim Velazhin, or Rav Menachem Anlamishplov. For Tamideh Haramchal, for Rav Moshe David Vali, they're going to see the Seder Hashtalshos of Torah Sakabala as Moshe Rabbeinu Rashbi, the Arizal, the Rashash, the Torah Sacham. For the Ramchal, it's going to be the Ramchal who follows the teachings of the Arizal. But the Leshem Shvavachaloma saw himself as coming to fully explicate the system of the Arizal and the Vilnagon, which is why so often the Leshem Shavavachaloma is considered by many to be a student of the Vilnagon and Kabbalah, an adherent to the Lithuanian path of Kabbalah, which we're going to discuss in a moment. Yet there's a certain misunderstanding inherent there. Yes, the Leshem Shavavachaloma follows the teachings of the Vilnagon, in particular the writings of the Gra on Safradit's Niusa and Sefer Hayatzira, the Leshem even wrote certain notes on the parish of Tzafredit's Nusa. Nevertheless, the Leshem was not a student of the Vilnagon in an ideological sense. He was not fighting for the bastion of faith to be within the camp of the Misnagdim, or the Lithuanian approach to Kabbalah in the sense of deciding the value of Tzimtzum, or discussing the value of Mamala Kalam and of Sovev Kalam, like the Nefesh Chaim is famous for. The Leshem was not fighting a particular ideological battle in terms of the tenets of faith, but the Leshem was following the Vilnagon in the sense that the Leshem felt that the Gro was the closest to understanding the full purpose of the Arizal. If a person thinks that the Leshem Shavuva was a student of the Gro without a deep connection to the Arizal, they're entirely mistaken. The Leshem was coming to explicate and clarify what the Arizal came to show to the point that the Leshem Shuvachaloma on a certain level saw himself as the third link in a chain, which is why the name of his farm, Leshem Shuvachaloma, can be understood based on the Pasuk of the Hatur Hashlishi Leshem Shuvachaloma, 
the third row of stones in the Choshen Mishpat were Leshem, Shabov, V'achloma. The Tor HaShlishi, the third instantiation, the third stage, can be understood as the third stage that comes to answer up the questions that were left open by Rav Isaac Luria, the Arizal Slusia Ganalenu, Rav Eliyahu Kramer, the Vilnagon Slusia Ganalenu, and then the Leshem came to unite the two to show how, in spite of the fact that there's differences between the two, all are speaking out the same words that the Arizal had come to explicate and bring into the world. So the Arizal, more than anything else, more than being a student of the Vilnagon or an adherent to the system of the Vilnagon, was in fact a student of the Arizal. He was coming to disclose what he saw as the true nature of properly understanding the Arizal, and this is going to become very clear in future Shiram when we get into the polemical discussion between the Leshem Shrova and his interlocutor, which is the writings of the Ramchal, and what the Leshem saw as the problems of the approach of the Ramchal. But before we get into the specific task of the Leshem Shrova it's important to contextualize slightly the historical moment that the Leshem saw himself coming to fill. In the 16th century, when Rav Isaac Luria, when the Arizal Slusia Ganalenu arrived from the banks of the Nile River, from the banks of Mitzrayim, after learning in Yanim from Elio Hanavi, after understanding through years and years of penetrating the Sefer HaZohar, in particular the Idra Rab and the Idra Zuta and the Tzafar Ditznusa, the Arizal arrived in Tzvas, the Arizal arrived in the northern parts of Israel, in order to teach the secrets that he had learned, and as we know, he found a number of students there, Rav Chaim Vital amongst them, who in the end of the day became the sole decider, if you will, of the compilation of the writings of the Arizal, in spite of the fact that we have differing approaches and historical approaches that Rav Yosef Avivi and other scholars of Kabbalah have discussed. But the Arizal came and he taught for no more than two and a half years. And the amount of secrets that he disclosed in those two and a half years his student, Rav Chaim Vital, compiled, which eventually became the Sefer Eitzah and the Shmona Sharam that we know as the Arizal. Now, after the cataclysmic interpretation and the natural disaster, or the national disaster, we should say, of the Sabbatean movement and its interpretation of the Arizal and the misleading ideologies that were created, there came a moment in the 17th century in particular where four individuals, four tzaddikim, arrived onto the scene like a derech kolchav me'yakov, a star that shined forth from Yaakov, from Knesset Yisrael, from the panemius of Knesset Yisrael. Four tzaddikim hadoros who came to interpret the system of the Arizal according to their own particular tchunas hanefesh. Now these four interpretations, according to a number of tzaddikim, Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern amongst them, can be considered the pardes, the fourfold process of interpreting the system of the Arizal. As we know, Torah, in its generality, can be broken up into four categories of pshat, the simple meaning, remez, the, the hinted meaning, the homiletical meaning of drush, of interpretations, and sod, which is the secret meaning or the mystical meaning. Now, because the Torah, according to the Mikubalim, is holographic in the sense that each part contains the all within it, and any point that you touch, you're actually touching the fullness of the entire system. So even Sod itself, even the fourth level of the fourfold breakdown of Torah, has its own fourfold level, which means to say that even though the typical breakdown of the Torah can be Pshat, Remes, Drush, and Sod, Sod itself, which is the last of the levels of interpretation, contains within itself a subset, if you will, or a miniature expression of that fourfold order, 
So we can find four approaches to Sod itself. And these four tzaddikim that arrived onto the scene in the 17th century have been described as the fourfold interpretation of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. The Pshat is going to be associated with Rav Shalom Sharabi, the Rashash Shusia Ganalenu, the Rashash and his Beis Medrash, the Beis Medrash of Beis El, the Svardi Mikubalim, who are known as the Machavnim in the writings of the other Mikubalim, are considered to be interpreters of the Pshat. Now, not simply pshat in the basic meaning of the words, but oimek pshat, the, the depth of pshat, in the sense that they've penetrated deep enough into the system of the Arizal to realize that beyond all of the complications, that beyond all of the fancy interpretations and lamdanut that can be applied to the system of the Arizal, what remains irreducible at the end of the day is the pshat itself. And we know from the Arizal in different areas in Eitz Chaim when he's discussing the value of Ta'amim, Nekudos, Tagen, and Osios like we discussed in Sefer Milin, that we see that the Pashut, this concept of Pashtus is going to be associated with the sphere of Keser. So on a certain level, Pshat is the deepest level of expression. Like the Vilna Gon writes in, in, and Rav Menachem and the Mishklav writes in the name of the Vilna Gon in his Akdama to Perish Hagra al-Mishlei that you cannot understand Sod unless you get to the level where you see that pshat and sod, that the simple meaning and the secret meaning, are really one and the same. So the Rashash and his students, Rav Chaim de la Rosa, the Torah's Chacham, the name of the base medrasher of Yitzhak Isaac Morgenstern, of Rav Ichimayar Morgenstern, one of the most difficult svarim, and the Shemen Sasson, the different interpreters of the system of the Rashash, they represent the system of pshat. Now the remez of Pardes, the hinted meaning, which includes within itself gematrios and ramazim and biblical allusions to mystical content or to the content of the Kitve Arizal, is going to be associated with the system of the Vilna Gon, Kramer. Now this is explicit in the students of the Vilna Gon. The Leshem writes it explicitly, as we're going to see in a future date. Rav Yitzchak Kellner, the Tobos Yitzchak, who was a Talmud Mufak of Rav Yitzchak Isaac Chaver, who set up yeshivos in Yerushalayim and wrote a three-volume parish on the Sefer Yitzira and the parish of the Gra, writes explicitly that the Chilak of Remez was what the Vilna Gon was coming to explicate and show in the world. Now the Vilna Gon, with all of the gematrios, and in particular of Menachem and Mishklov, who we discussed in the series of Shirim on Reish Milin, they represent the Remez, the illusions that are included in the system of the Arizal. The drash, the homiletical interpretation, or better, the human understanding, or applying the secrets of Torah to the system of his history and the world that we find ourselves in, that's going to be associated with the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Litzato, and his student, Rav Moshe David Vali. Now, in between Remez and Drash, and there's a deep connection, and there's a particular reason for this, but the Remez and Drash, which even according to the Arizal, are interchangeable, the Ramchal and the Gra and their approaches to Kabbalah are going to be very similar often. Like the Vilna wrote famously that had he been alive in the times of the Ramchal, he would have walked to Padua, Italy on his own in order to sit by the feet of the individual who wrote the Sefer Masil Sisharim, famously saying that within the first 10 chapters of Masilas Yesharim, the path of the just, one of the opuses of the Ramchal, that there was not a single extra word reaching the level of Chazal, reaching the level of omni-significance that we typically associate with Torah Shabbat. The, the Gra and his students 
had a unique interpretation with the Ramchal, to the point that there's even machloksim as to certain texts, whether they're written by Rav Menachem and Lomishklav as the Talmud of the Vilna Gon, or whether they're written by the Ramchal in his base Medrash. Now the Leshem, as we're going to see, finds himself wedged between the system of the Gra and the system of the Ramchal. And in the third series of Shir, when we discuss the polemical discussion and the argument that the Leshem brings against the Ramchal, we're going to show that it wasn't so much that the Leshem had such an issue with the Ramchal, but that he saw his derech so similar to the derech of interpretation of the Ramchal, that the Leshem felt it necessary to make clear distinctions and demarcations where he saw the Ramchal as going too far in certain aspects, or in particular, certain interpreters of the Ramchal and the mistakes that they made in interpreting his system. So we're going to see that the Leshem is really wedged between the two, and he really can't be considered in full a student of the Vilna Gon, but he's really following the path of both the Vilna Gon and the Ramchal and utilizing their approaches to fully explicate and interpret the system of the Arizal. Now finally, the Sod of Sod, the fourth of the fourfold breakup of Sod, is going to be associated with the Baal Shem Tov and his students. Now obviously this breakup, according to the Tzadikim who make it, is going to be biased on a certain level according to their proclivity towards Hasidus. But historically speaking, what we find is that Ha'emes Eid La'atzmo, that Sof Davar the most popular form of interpreting Kabbalah Sa'arizal, or the most expressive form that has really taken hold in Klal Yisrael, in spite of the fact that it might no longer be identifiable except by a few unique individuals, the system of the Baal Shem Tov, who saw, and the Magad of Mezrich, who saw interpreting the system of the Arizal in a psychological revision that took the cosmos and brought them into the individual of Mibasri Echza Eloikai, that from my own experience, from the own phenomenons that I go through on a day-to-day experience, through the phenomenology of everyday spiritual life, that is specifically where we find the significance of the Olamos HaElyonim. Now the Baal Shem Tov, and in particular according to Hasidus Chabad, who are tonight we're celebrating the Chag of Yud Kislev, which celebrates the Yitziah of the Admor Hazakin from the Beis HaAsurim, which was a Haskama that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had given according to our Tzadikim to allow the Balatanya to interpret his system of Kabbalah Begiloi, that for the Balatanya, who received the Maya Ha'av from the Maggot of Mezrich, unlike the other Talmidim who received from the Maggot of Mezrich in the way that a Talmud receives from a Rebbe, the Balatanya, according to Hasidus, who studied with the Rav Avram Hamalach, who was the son of the Maggot, therefore he received more of the panemius of the Maggot because a father is willing to reveal more to his son than a Rebbe is willing to reveal to his Talmud. So the system of Chabad Hasidus, and in particular, the Mitler Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Shlusi represent what we'll call the Sod of Sod. So we have the Rashash and his Tamidim, the Taurus Chacham and the Shem and Sasan, who are going to represent the Pshat of Sod. We have the Vilna Gon and his students, Rav Menachem and Mishklav, Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver, Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver's Tamid Muvhak, Rav Yitzhak Kellner as the Remez of Sod. The drash of Sod is going to be the Ramchal and Rav Moshe David Vali, who is his Talmud Chaver. And the Sod of Sod is going to be Hasidus, and in particular, Hasidus Chabad, and their approaches to interpreting the system of the Arizal, as well as Ravi Nachman of Breslov. Now, the Leshem came to ensure that Kabbalah Sa'arizal 
would remain properly understood. In all of the different levels of interpretation that Kabbalah Sa'ariza went through, all of its different gilgulim, each one necessary in order to create the partsufa koleles, the full gestalt of Kabbalah Sa'arizal, the Leshem on a certain level came to ensure that the yichud that is disclosed, that the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is disclosed through the teachings of the Arizal, a historical level of giloy that had hitherto been hidden and not allowed to be revealed to the world, the Leshem came to ensure that the koitzim and the thorns and all of the different sibuchim and confusions that we can fall into would be clarified. The Leshem on a certain level saw himself as the guardian of yichud, as the shomer ha-yichud, not as the bal ha-yichud, not as the person who was attempting to engage in mystical union through the teachings of the Arizal, but rather the individual who came to guard the teachings of the Arizal and to ensure that they would be interpreted properly for all of history. So the Leshem Shuvachaloma was very capable at times when necessary of being ferocious in protecting the kavod of the Arizal, in protecting the kavod of the proper interpretation of the Arizal. And if the Leshem felt that something was being interpreted in the wrong way, he had no issue writing at length, even against the biggest Sadiqim, about what the problem of their interpretation was. And as we're going to see in future Shirim, and we have a particular Shir dedicated to this, the Leshem Shuvachaloma develops for himself a very clear shita, a very clear approach as to interpreting Kabbalah Sa'arizal. And along with his approach to interpreting Kabbalah Sa'arizal and the tenets of unity that the Leshem Shuvachaloma felt were fundamental, which we're going to discuss, the Leshem also brought with him a particular derech of limud, a particular way of studying the system of the Arizal. Prior to the Leshem Shurabachaloma, the system of the Arizal was taken as a standalone system where contradictory texts needed to be resolved by way of textual explanations. One text was written then, another text was written then. And there was no cohesiveness, no unity between the entirety of the writings of the Arizal. When the Leshem Shubova Chaloma came along and interpreted the system of the Arizal, one of the primary chidushim, and Rav Kook wrote this explicitly in a letter to Rav Neria, that the Leshem Shuvah Chaloma took the tools of analytic Talmudic study, Pilpul and Lamdanut and Lamdus, and he applied those hermeneutical tools to the system of the Arizal. Meaning to say that like Rav Chaim Brisker, when approaching a sugya that appears to have two opposing claims to it, Rav Chaim Brisker was willing to make a distinction between the subject and the object, or the chefsa and the gavra, and point out how both claims, in spite of the fact that they appear contradictory to one another, can be settled if we understand the proper placement and the proper context of that idea, that one idea is applied to the subject matter and one idea is applied to the object matter. The Leshem Shavavachaloma took those tools of Lamdanus, whether consciously or unconsciously, and applied them to the system of the Arizal. So that when we find textual contradictions or stereotypes within the system of the Arizal, unlike Tosvos and the Valley Tosvos, the, the Leshem Shavavachaloma saw the entire textual edifice, the entire system of the Arizal as one system 
that has different parts to it, the Leshem was capable of discerning one matter from another and comparing one text to another. And instead of claiming that there was some textual issue, the Leshem was capable of unifying the two contradictory claims through a conceptual inversion of determining where each truth statement was applied. So one of the reasons that the Leshem Shabbat remains one of the most significant explicators and interpreters of the system of the Arizal is because he took the tools of Torah Shabbat he took the tools of Lamdanut. He grew up in Tells, learning in Tells, which is again one of the connections that he had to Rav Avramitzlach Cohen Cook. And he applied the tools of Lamdanus and conceptual integration and deconstruction to the system of the Arizal in order to show that it is not a system that is contradictory or disparate, but rather the system of the Arizal and the writings of the Arizal, when properly understood, stand together to disclose a mosaic of Torah scholarship and Torah wisdom and the Gilui of Sodasa Torah that historically had never been revealed up to that point, even including the Zohar HaKadosh. Now, obviously, the Leshem Shabbat is deeply aware that you cannot have an Arizal without Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and you cannot have an Eitzchayim without the Zohar, in particular, the Idra Rabbah, the Idra Zut, and the Tzafar Ditznius, as we're going to see. But the Leshem Shabbat respected the system of the Arizal to such an extent that each word was precise and demanded a level of interpretation that we find only by the individuals who saw Torah with such precision, they were able to cut a razor-thin distinction between one item and another to show how everything is unified. Now, in the series of Shirim that we're going to be going through, there's no chance that we will be able to cover the gamut of what the Leshem Shabbat was coming to say. In terms of studying the Arizal itself, the Leshem has... Chidushim and Yishuvim and Terutzim to every sugya throughout Eitzchayim. The Leshem, one of the last farm that the Leshem Shovach Halama wrote, Sefer Habiurim, which was meant to be a full parish on Sefer Eitzchayim and the 50 Sharim of Eitzchayim, what we've been left with is a thousand pages on the first three Sharim of Eitzchayim, which means to say that the Leshem had a lot more to say about every part of the system of the Arizal. But what we're left with is just a small glimmer and a small glimpse into the chidushim and into the mind and the harifus that the Leshem Shavuachaloma approached the system of the Arizal. In the series of Shirim, instead of trying to fully express the system of the Arizal, which is a hopeless, uh, the system of the Leshem Shavuachaloma, which is a hopeless endeavor if a person is not willing to give years to it, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and give 10 shiurim on sugyos, yesode hasugyos, of what Kabbalah is, of what Panimia Satora is, the machlokas that the Leshem had with the Ramchal, what simsum is, the emphasis that the Leshem placed on negativity in the world, showing how the Leshem Shavuachaloma system, in spite of the fact that it remains esoteric in its content, actually penetrates to the depth of the everyday phenomenon of each and every person, so that the Leshem's writings not only clarify abstract concepts of spirituality, but they also give hope to the individual who finds them stuck, themselves stuck in the mires of psychological everydayness and stuckness, that the Leshem Shavuachaloma penetrates into the dredges of existence, into the klipos and into the chitzonim and into the gavuros, in order to show how all of that, like we showed through of Cook's writings of Reish Milin, everything 
There is nothing outside of the Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the extent that every abject experience that a person has is part and parcel of the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're going to show how the Lashem Shavu interpreted the process of history. And like his Talmud Chaver, Rav Avram Yitzhak HaKohen Kuk, they both saw history as perpetually elevating and that everything that appears to be Yerida is in fact an Aliyah Bidargit. It's a gradual Aliyah where everything is in the process of both dying and renewing itself at the same moment. And he goes through extensively the unconscious of history, the underbelly of history, the fact that underneath the brokenness of history and the fallenness of history, there abides an orhaganus, a concealed light that animates and constitutes all of experience down to the prate pratim, to the most particularized experience of each person in their daily lives. Everything screams Yichud Hashem and is a process of elevation towards what the Leshem calls the Sod Ha'achdus, the secret of unity which will be disclosed in the future that remains unknown. The Leshem Shabbat we're going to go through at least 10 sugyos, and the hope is to show through these 10 sugyos, which utilize the textuality and textual sources of the Leshem Shavachaloma, how the Leshem system builds itself by expressing particular sugyos that comprise a whole that is greater than the sum total of itself. Like the Chidush of the Partsuf of the Arizal, who took particular points of Olam Hanukudos, and he saw them as comprising a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts, the system of the Leshem and all of its disparity and multiplicity and all of the multifarious writings and expressive linguistic techniques that he uses, at the end of the day, all of the verbiage and all of the extensive words come to express one simple idea, which is the Yichud of Hashem that contains everything within it up to and including all differentiation. Now, in order to properly understand what the Leshem is coming to do, I want to give two hakdamos, two ideas that will hopefully be present and abiding throughout every shear that we give. We're not going to go back to these ideas. We're not going to be reviewing them each time. But the goal is that each and every one of these ideas that we're going to discuss right now abide and animate everything that we learn from the Leshem Shabbat Haloma so that the series of Shirim not only becomes a process of understanding the Leshem, but more importantly, like the Leshem saw his project, it becomes an experience of learning these inyanim and an experience of being miyached with the Neshama of the Leshem Shabbat Now, the first Hakdam is going to be that, like we said, the Leshem was more textual than nearly any other Mekubal who preceded him. That he wrote more and more extensively and more expressively, withholding nearly nothing from his readers, unlike other Mikubalim who historically concealed their words and illusions and spoke away the things that they were trying to express because of the adherence to the notion that these ideas need to be kept secret, the Leshem was capable and willing to fully express everything. He withheld nothing from his readers. The Leshem gives us everything. He places the entire system on a silver platter for the reader. The person who is willing to fully engage the textual system of the Arizal and the Leshem Shavachaloma and the architecture that is created has the capability of understanding the entire system of the Arizal. Like he says in his Hakdama to his first Sefer, Lo davar rachok mimcha. 
it's not far from you to understand the entire system of Kabbalah, to understand what Rav Steinzeltz called the only theology of Judaism, which is the system of Luriana Kabbalah and its interpretations through later interpreters. Now, Rav Moshe Shapiro, the famous Balmachshav and Sadik who recently was Nifter, was famously deeply connected to the Svarim of the Lashem Shua Vachaloma, also the Svarim of Ishbitz and Radzin, but that was kept a little bit more hidden, except through the usage of Rav Sadok, like the Balelita like to take Rav Sadok and use him as their own. Nevertheless, the Lashem Shua Vachaloma was one of the main mouthpieces of Rav Moshe Shapiro in the writings that were put out by his Talmidim and the Shirim that he gave. Now, Rav Moshe Shapiro famously said something incredibly remarkable. He said that one of the most unique factors about the Svarim of the Lashem Shabbat Haloma is that typically there's a sharp distinction between a Sefer, something that is written, and a Sipur, something that is spoken out. And he's referencing an idea in the Sefer Yetzirah, and the Vilna Gon brings this down in the beginning of his Parish and Safadit's Nusa that the Sefer Yetzirah says in the first Mishnah that the world was created in three forms. It was created B'Sefer, B'Sefer, or B'Sipor. Sefer is doubled, two books, and expression of the mouth. And the idea that the Vilna Gon interprets, and there are a number of interpretations here, is that a book, when it is written, when a textual document is expressed, there is a necessary twofold process. There is the writing of the book, when the author expresses himself on a piece of paper, which at that point it is unread and ununderstood by any reader. And then the second stage is when somebody reads it and understands it. So in order for a person to benefit from something that is written, it takes two stages, the sefer and the sefer, the writing and the act of reading. But the third manifestation is something called sipur, is when somebody is speaking or telling a story. So that's one act. The act of expression and the act of understanding take place simultaneously, unlike a book which needs to be written and then read, which is a process of cause and effect of first stage and second stage. The sipur is a simultaneity that is both expression and understanding at once. Now the Vilna Gon and the Leshem make a big asek out of this because it's not simply talking about a book versus speaking, it's talking about the three upper spheres of Kesar Chachma and Bina, uh, Kesar Chachma, Chachma, Bina, and Das, I'm sorry, which we're going to discuss later on, that Chachma expresses the main idea, but it can't be understood. It's like a book that is written but unread. Bina is the process of reading and understanding that which is reading, Hamevin Davar Mitoch Davar. And Das which is the disclosure of the mochen of consciousness into the body, is the simultaneity of expression and understanding at once. So Rav Moshe Shapiro says that typically there's a distinction between Sefer and Sipor. There's a distinction between a book and somebody speaking something out to you. Because the book takes two stages, writing and reading, and speaking only takes one stage. But he says that's only B'derach Klal. That's only generally speaking. But you have Yechidei Segula, you have particular members who emerge loftier, more transcendent to the typical way of being, who are capable of moving away from that typical distinction. And he says that the writings of the Leshem Shabobah Chaloma are one of those. That by the Leshem, even though we're learning a Sefer, in fact, the person has the capacity of learning the Sipur. That when you learn the writings of the Leshem Shabobah Chaloma, 
you have access to the neshama of the Lashem Shabbat to the extent that it's a kiyum in the statement of Chazal, which states that every person who's learning from a sefer should see to it that it's as if the person who said these words is standing in front of them and that their lips are murmuring in the kever. Because when we learn the sefer, when we engage textually with a system that is expressed specifically in text, we have access to the writer themselves. The Leshem didn't write Bidyeved. He didn't write because he didn't have Talmidim to speak to. He didn't have Talmidim to speak to because the way he was meant to disclose his teachings was through writing. That through the Hanhaga of Nora Alila, the historical process that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses to set things up in their right time, the Leshem Shabova Haloma found himself without a yeshiva, without Talmidim, because the system of the Leshem needs to be a textual system. Which is why the Leshem Shabova Haloma were told by his Shamish and eventual Mechutin, Rav Arye Levine, the Tzadik of Yishulayim, that the Leshem would be Tovel before he made the ink for his writing. That the Leshem took the act of writing so seriously because he understood that he was placing his Seichel and his Mayach within the Sefer itself. And even though the Leshem was weak and nearly blind by the time he was writing certain Svarim, there's Mesorah in the name of Rav Kook as well as Rav Aryeh Levine that in the moment of writing, the Leshem was capable of writing more than would have been humanly possible. That the writing act for the Leshem became an, a mystical experience where writing onto the blank page of paper becomes the main mode of disclosure. The reason this is significant is because when we learn the writings of the Leshem Shuvachaloma, when each week we use text sources to understand, what we're doing on a certain level is connecting to the neshama of the machaber who gave these ideas over. The Arizal, or a student of the Arizal, writes in the Hakdama, a Yehi Ratzon, in the beginning of Eitz Chaim, as to the tefillah that a person is supposed to say before learning Pneumia Satora. And the tefillah goes as follows. It says that, Yehi Ratzon, it should be the will of you, the creator of the world that I should experience a tosefes or an additional light to my neshama through the light of the neshama of the machabrim and the tzaddikim through whom you disclosed your secrets. That one of the purposes of learning Kabbalah and learning Panimiya Satora and learning the Kitve Arizal is to unify ourselves and to connect ourselves to the or HaTzadik, to the light of the tzaddik that abides within the text. To recognize that we are not simply learning things that were simply written by dead authors, but we are learning things where the words themselves are suffused and infused and inspired by the neshama of the machaber itself, to the extent that kol hamevi davar b'shem omro, that every person who brings something in the name of he who said it, mevi geula la'olam, is bringing a certain redemption to the world. That when we in our lowly state of ikvasa the mashicha devoid of the light of the tzaddikim, learn the texts of the tzaddik l'shma, and we teach the words of the tzaddik, what we have the capacity to do is unify ourselves with the machaber themselves and to bring geula to the world, to bring a geula l'nafshenu to our particular souls, to redeem ourselves from the fallenness and the darkness of the world that we live in, and to find light in the light of the tzaddikim and the neshama and the spark of their souls which is enclosed and disclosed within the text itself. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, in a famous Torah, in Torah Kuvtzadi Bey, in Chelek Aleph, says this explicitly. He says, 
ומישה שומע דיבור מפי הצדק הוא דיבור אמס, ובפרט כשרואה אז, ובכינס ואהבה עיניך רואה ססמרך. And he goes on to say that in spite of the fact that we can no longer see the faces of tzaddikim or hear from them, we can still connect to them in the certain sense that they leave their neshama within the sefer and the text that they write. And even when the tzaddik writes something in a sefer from memory, when the aspect of forgetfulness strengthens itself, Spiritual forgetfulness falls onto the Sefer itself, where a Sefer is no longer valuable, where a Sefer no longer contains the light of the Tzaddik. When the Tzaddik who wrote these ideas, or was Machadish these Chidushims, falls away, and then forgetfulness grows, that I forgot like a dead from my heart, and then forgetfulness and fallenness falls upon the Sefer, and learning the words of dead Sadiqim, learning the words of Sadiqim from generations past, seems insignificant at best and ridiculous at worst, that there's no hope in the Sefer. But Rabbi Nachman says something amazing. He says, What's the Eitzah? What's the Eitzah for this? That a person has to conjure in their mind the soul of the Mahaber, the soul of the person who wrote these ideas when we're learning their words, like it's written in the Yerushalmi, that a person has to imagine it as if the Tana who wrote the statement is standing right in front of them. Because in the writings of the wise individual, there is engraved and written the image, the identity, the neshama, the light of that chacham. Because these words and these ideas that are traced and engraved and impressed upon within the book, they are the wisdom of the author and his neshama, the bechinas panav, the face of the tzaddik, nimsha sesichlo v'nishmaso v'panav, we find that the mind and the soul and the face of the tzaddik, shehu demuso mamish, which is the demus, the ore of that neshama that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has shined into the world, hu be'elu osios v'tevos, is found in garbed and mislubash, besoch the letters and the words of the sefer. Alkein nimsa b'chol sefer v'sefer, Therefore, a person can find within every book the image of the tzaddik, the neshama of the tzaddik, who is machadish these words. Because according to their neshama, their image and their mind and their soul, so to the sefer. And in the words of Rav Moshe Shapiro, who when asked by a Talmud, who wanted to compile a compilation of the writings of the Leshem, if they could write their own perush, Rav Moshe Shapiro, in the name of Rav Elia Weintraub, who was also a Mekuba Lita'i, who did a lot for the writings of the Leshem Shem they said, they both answered in unison that you cannot write a perush on the Leshem Shem because the Leshem Shem unlike other Mekubalim, wrote Beruach HaKodesh. 
He didn't simply express his words Baruch HaKodesh, his writing was Baruch HaKodesh, so that every word that the Lashem Shalom is exacting and precise, to the point that we can disclose the Neshama of the Mechaber from within the text. The second Hakdama that needs to animate our learning is the simple fact that we're going to find that the Leshem, more than any other Mechaber and Mekubal of the 19th and 20th century, the Leshem Shabbat saw Yichud, unity, the full disclosure of the unity of everything, of Enon Milvado, and the fact that Memalik Kalaman and Soviv Kalaman, the saturation of the worlds with the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the surrounding light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that surrounds the worlds, and the simple fact that there is nothing other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu's animating light that gives sustenance and sustains every moment of existence, the Leshem saw that as a future revelation. The Leshem ensured, like we said before, in order to protect Yichud, he wanted to ensure that we did not fall prey to the sin of Adam Arishan, which was Achal Pega, to the sin of the Meraglim, which was Achal Pega, to the sin of David Amelech, which was Achal Pega, of grasping things prematurely, of impatience. The Leshem did not want us to fall prey to saying that we can find unity at the present moment, because it's not here yet. In spite of the fact that the Leshem relegates Yichud and the Tachlis of Limud to some future moment, the Leshem also, more than any other tzaddik of Tamideh Hagra, understood that if something is going to exist in the future, ontologically speaking, it exists in the present as well. That everything that stands ready to be disclosed at future moments can be tasted and understood in the present moment that there is a hint and there is a remez and there is an expression of everything that stands to be revealed at the most future point of unity when all negativity is mavutal and all particularity is shown to have been part of Yichud, like Rav Kook showed through Reish Milin, the Leshem says that we can taste this, that we can taste the light of Shabbos and Erev Shabbos, that we can find moments in our lives of olamecha tirabachayecha, of seeing your worlds in your days, like Chazal tell us on Dafyud Tesam and Aleph and Mesechas Brachos, that a person who properly prepares themselves can experience moments of presence in this world where everything is present and fixed, where there is nothing lacking, where we can live the moments of unity within the world of Pirud to show that eventually all Pirud will be disclosed to have been nothing but Yichud. So in spite of the fact that Leshem holds us off away from Yichud and protects us from falling prey to the sin of impatience of trying to bring Yichud too quickly, nevertheless, if we penetrate deeply enough into what the Leshem is trying to tell us, we can still taste the light of Yichud in the present moment. And the Leshem, more than anyone else, makes an asek out of the concept of the organus, the concealed light that Adam Arishan was capable of using to see from one end of the world to the next end of the world, we still have access to that light. We still have access to the light that permeates and abides within being, which allows us, if we contemplate it enough, to recognize that there is nothing other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to experience moments of learning his texts and learning his system and tasting those moments. That for the Leshem, learning Kabbalah was a chilek of Ganeden itself. It's not a preparation towards Ganeden. It is the experience of Ganeden itself that a person can sit and understand these words, if but for a moment, and they can escape, like Rav Arya Levine tells us in his writings, in his biographical writings of the Leshem Shavuot that he used to be a shamish. He used to sit there with a candle, helping the Leshem when he was blinder in his ears, read Svarim, that Rav Arya Levine says, I cannot tell you 
what I heard or what I saw, but I can tell you that I was on another world. I was in another plane where the things that take a person out of this world, namely kinetaiva and kavod, the jealousy, the drive for honor, and the brokenness that we feel in the world, went away. That the leshem, like other tzaddikim, was capable of bringing the light of Mashiach into the present moment. And this is what the Leshem saw as his historical moment, to bring the light of Mashiach, the Or Ha'atid, the Or of Achdos, into the present moment. And to end with a story from Avneria, who says that one time he was walking, Rav Ari Levin, to the house of the Leshem, late at night in Yerushalayim to pick up Rav Kook, because they had learned in Yanim together again at the end of their lives, that he finally got to see the face of the Leshem, and he asked the Leshem for a bracha, and the Leshem said, what should I give you a bracha on? And he said, I want a bracha on Ruchnius and Gashmius. I want a bracha on spiritual ideas, as well as physical nature of things, as well as Parnassah, as well as the things of everyday life. And the Leshem looked at him and he said, I don't fully understand what you're requesting because there's no distinction between the two of them. That for the Leshem, if you learn Kabbalah properly, if you learn Panemius HaTorah properly, in particular the lights of the Leshem Shavachalom, as we're going to try over the next few weeks, a person can get to a place where for but a moment, for a rega, a person can get to a place where there's no distinction between brokenness and fixedness, where there's no distinction between darkness and light, where there's no distinction between the outside and the inside, where everything is shown to be part and parcel of the Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Be'ezrus Hashem, next week, we're going to start with the Leshem's historical moment, with the Leshem's feeling of what he was doing in teaching Kabbalah, why he felt he was allowed to reveal more than anybody else. Why his years were in particular years of disclosure. What the Mashiach project was in disclosing secrets. And each week we're going to continue getting deeper and deeper into the Leshem Shavah Haloma till we can get a certain image of what he was trying to say.